All right. Well, good morning. I am excited with the word of God this morning. I have a word. I believe it is a prophetic word. And uh, I'm excited to deliver it to you today. My message is entitled, Fulfilling Your Destiny. And it is still part of the series, Are You Building a Memorial? Fulfilling Your Destiny. You know, a lot of supernatural things happen around here. And people don't always hear it or see it. And so I'm going to say it. But we, we have a lot of miracles that happen. About uh, two, three weeks ago, I called uh, one of uh, the members of our church, uh, Mark Hunter, and I uh, hadn't heard from him for a couple of days, and uh, he was pretty sick. He was so sick, uh, he uh, <clears throat> was pretty sure he had uh, COVID, and uh, <clears throat> it took him half an hour to go from his bed to the kitchen to get a drink of water, and he was exhausted when he got there. And I told him, immediately get your butt in a car, in an ambulance, whatever you have to do, and go to the hospital and get checked out. Well, he had double pneumonia, and he had COVID at the same time. Yep. And uh, Mark isn't uh, a teeny-weeny little guy. He's a little bit heavier and bigger than me. And, of course, things like that weigh against you. Well... Mark was, is Mark here? He's not here this morning? All right, so I'm going to keep telling the story. I wanted to show him off, uh, but obviously something stopped him from getting here today. He was planning to be here. But uh, when he got to the hospital, I believe the level of oxygen in his blood was down to 80%. They immediately had to put him on 100% oxygen, and they were forcing it into him. And uh, for the first day or two, he was just in a terrible state. We immediately put him on the prayer list, and you guys started to pray. I don't know if uh, you are on our prayer chain, but every person in this church should be on our prayer chain. Prayer creates memorials before God, and prayer causes the angels in heaven, the elders, to gather up the prayers of the saints in those golden bowls, and uh, they bring them before the Father. We have power on earth. Do you believe that? I believe it. We have power and authority on earth. I have the authority, the governmental right to execute the uh, dunamis, that is the supernatural power of God. I, I'm, I'm a double barrel. I, I've got the authority that comes from the Father and I got the power that comes from the Holy Ghost. Can I get agreement here? And so we started praying for Mark and uh, <clears throat> by the second day, he was on 80% oxygen. Uh, and at one point, they assisted him to go to the restroom. They took the oxygen off so he could. Four minutes. In four minutes, his oxygen had dropped to something like 78%. They were forcing oxygen in him. But by the third day, he was down to 60%. I kept calling him every day. We kept praying. By the fifth day, he was down to 7%. 7% oxygen being pumped into him. So he went from, he needed 100% within a matter of days down to 7%. The next day, he was down to 1%. When they discharged him from the hospital, this is not a Christian hospital. When they discharged him from, I believe it was uh, 
countryside Meese. They said to him, this is a miracle. Your recovery is a miracle. Yeah, give the Lord a praise offering. A few days later, he had to go see his general doctor, and his general doctor had the reports, the medical reports from the hospital. His general doctor is a Christian. And so he said to Mark, he says, Mark, do you understand what just happened? He said, well, no. I mean, I know I was pretty sick. He said, no, you were just moments away from death. You were literally on that death line. You were on the living side of the death line. He said, this is amazing. Church, when we pray, demons hear us. God hears us and demons tremble. And the last thing that a devil wants you to do is to get into the habit of praying because when you get in the habit of praying, you get into the habit of slaying your enemies in Jesus' name. Can I get an agreement? Amen. Three days ago, I got a phone call from another man in our church. This is while I'm still on holidays. And... Uh, uh, um, Galen, not here today, still in the hospital. He had been sick for over a month. He travels all over the country, supervising trucking lines that bring the mail across the country. There's Mark Hunter. Stand up, Mark. Everybody give him a big round of applause. Amen. I just told you a story. I didn't know if you were going to make it. Sorry? A little bit? Come on out the front. We're going to pray for you some more. Praise God. Galen was so sick for a month that he was driving a, uh, a work van and he blacked out and crashed into the back of a parked truck, totaled the van. He came out without any injuries, just a few scratches. He went to uh, urgent care. They took, I, I don't know if it was uh, not MRIs, but they took... Um, CAT scans, thank you, CAT scans of, of his lungs. They said, you have COVID and you have blood clots on your lungs. He was sent to the ER and uh, immediately they started to prep him and uh, quarantine him and run a battery of tests. In the meantime, uh, he called me. He was uh, pretty much crying on the phone, said, Pastor, pray, please pray. I'm afraid I'm going to die. And... Uh, <clears throat> We, uh, we immediately prayed. I said, come on. We brought him into a place of faith, and we prayed. We rebuked the spirit of death. We rebuked the spirit behind the uh, COVID and everything else that was happening in his life. And four hours later, after they had run a battery of tests, they came back to him and said, well, the blood clots in your lungs are gone. Come on. Come on. You don't serve an ordinary God, and God doesn't have ordinary sons and daughters. We serve an extraordinary God, and he makes us extraordinary. Hallelujah. I am not a failure waiting to flop again. I am a son of God rising every second of the day. Hallelujah. Oh, if you don't believe it about you, I believe it about me. <laughs> G'day, Chuck. How are you? I'm glad you're supporting me down the front row. 
Mark, is it true that when you left the hospital, Countryside? Uh, the old Helen Ellis. Uh, old Advent Healthcare. Advent Healthcare. And they said, this is, your recovery's been a, a miracle. It's miraculous. Miracles, they're fathom. They're fathom. And when you went to see a Christian doctor a week later? Yeah, this, actually this week. This week. And your doctor had, they're going to get me another mic. Your doctor had all the medical reports, and what did he say? He said he read their reports, and he says, you need to be praising God for what he's done for you. Did he say something to you about the fact uh, you don't realize how close you were to death? He did. He yeah. did. Yeah, everybody knew I was dying but me. Everyone knew he was dying except for him. Praise God. Listen. This the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. And when you believe that, you understand there is resurrection power in your veins. There is resurrection power in your words. There is resurrection power in your hands. You know, too many Christians know the promises of God, but don't live in the reality of them. And the difference between knowing the promises of God and living in the reality of them is perspective. I can memorize it like I memorize Shakespeare or I can believe it and clothe myself in everything that the word of God says and then act as if. And when I act as if, that's me stepping into the fulfillment of the promises of God. When I pray, I don't know about you. I hope you have the same faith. You have the same privilege. You have the same possibility. But when I pray, God hears me. And when I pray, demons tremble. And when I tell them to go, they go. And when I ask the Lord to rain down his blessing, he rains down his blessing. That is your right. That is your birthright. That is your blood right by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. So now we're going to pray the complete recovery over Mark. I want every one of you to stand and put your hands towards Mark, and we're going to see an absolute recovery in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, our boasting isn't boasting. It's just facts that are of a supernatural reality. And to the natural mind, it sounds like boasting. But we will not live from the realm of the natural when you have destined us to live from the realm of the supernatural. Anything we have is only because of you, Jesus Christ. I thank you that you have given us the authority. And Holy Spirit, you give us the supernatural power. Now we continue to speak life into Mark's body. Every aspect of his body we come, and in the name of Jesus, we speak divine order into his systems that his body will respond and act according to how God designed it to be created. Amen. Father, I curse the spirit of death, and I curse the spirit of lingering results in Jesus' name. You will go now 
and we release the power of God to go through Mark's body and completely set him free from every lingering effect in the name of Jesus. I said, in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. And they said or shouted, yeah, you could put anything in there. <laughs> That's how it is. That's how it is. Amen. The Bible tells us to say amen. Amen means that's how it is. Not how it's going to be. My faith isn't always somewhere off in the future. My promise isn't somewhere off in the future. It's now. Faith is now. Come and hook me up. Praise God. How's that? One, two, three. All right. Let me just bring back to your remembrance where I had left off. Acts chapter 10, verse 1 to 5. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and his, all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Memorial. <clears throat> I've shared with you from the Bible what a memorial offering is as I've been unfolding this series. But I want to read you a definition from uh, dictionary.com of what a memorial is. Something designed to preserve the memory of a person, an event, 
etc., as a monument or even a holiday. The next definition, a memorial is a written statement. It can be an oral statement. A written statement of facts presented to a sovereign or a legislative body, etc., as the ground of or expressed in the form of a petition. Here's Cornelius. Would you put the next uh, phrase up on the screen? Cornelius' generosity created a memorial before God so that God couldn't help but to continually see him. How many of you want to build memorials before God? Yeah, amen. His generosity created a memorial before God so that God couldn't help but to continually see him. I want to live in such a way that it, it forms and creates memorials in the heavens so that God can't help but constantly bump into the sight of me. Hallelujah. How many of you want to live like that? All right. But it goes on to say, and his prayers became the earthly petitions that caused heaven to come to earth. His prayers were the earthly petitions that caused heaven to come to earth. Because of Cornelius' memorials, because of his generosity, the generosity in life not just given money, and because he prayed and he prayed fervently, God sent an angel down to meet with this guy face to face and handpicked Cornelius to be the first among Gentiles to hear the gospel and to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Without even knowing it, Cornelius, who hadn't yet met Christ, hadn't heard about Christ, wasn't born again yet, he was a converted Jew, but without even knowing it, Cornelius was fulfilling the Lord's prayer. You know the Lord's prayer is, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth the way it's being done in heaven. This man was a centurion in the Roman Empire, but he was a king in the heavens. Wow, you guys are quiet today. Cornelius was a centurion in the Roman Empire, but he didn't live like a centurion. He rose above that position, and he became a king in the courts of heaven. His prayers caused God to come to earth and to execute answers on his behalf. Praise God. So we're going to put up another screen, and it says this. God has a destiny for you, and your destiny has a purpose. God has a destiny for you, and your destiny has a purpose. But you will never fulfill your destiny until you step into your purpose. Amen. You will never fulfill your destiny until you step into your purpose. So what's your purpose? I'm going to read it to you straight from the Word of God. Are you ready? Now, I'm not going to tell you until you convince me you're ready. I said, are you ready? There you go. That's the church I left. Are you ready? Revelations chapter 5, verse 8. And when he had taken it, 
the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Now, I shared this scripture with you a couple of weeks ago. I shared this scripture with you a couple of weeks ago that when we pray, when Cornelius prayed, it wasn't just an ordinary angel. It was one of the 24 elders. There are 24 elders in heaven. They're not just ordinary angels. These elders stand around the throne room of God, right around God's presence. And the Bible says that they have golden bowls filled with incense. And when the sons of God on earth pray, these elders, there are only 24 of them in, in heaven. There are myriads and myriads of angels. The Bible says 10,000 times 10,000, but there are 24 elders. Do you understand what kind of attention God gives you? Do you understand the validation God puts on you when he commands one of 24 elders in all of heaven's array to stand at attention and to listen to your prayers and to put them in a golden bowl of incense? When I preached this the other week, Beth came to me after church and she said, Pastor, you know why there were 24 elders? I said, no, why? She said, now Beth used to be an airline stewardess, okay? She said, because there are 24 time zones around the earth from the rising of the sun to the setting down of the sun. God's listening to your intercession, and to your prayers. I have advocacy in heaven. I have a voice in the highest court of the universe. Do you understand what kind of privilege that gives us? Do you understand what God's intention is for his kids on earth? If we have the power to catch the ear of any one of 24 elders and they have to preserve our prayers and our intercession in golden bowls filled with incense and then it is offered up before the mercy seat of God as a sweet smelling fragrance. I don't know how you could read that and feel ordinary. Jack, I don't know where you're at, but you can't read that and believe it and think you're a failure. You can't read that and believe that your world is going to cave in. How many people in, the, in America have access to the president's telephone number? How many people here have access to the president's telephone number? How many people in America do you think? Would you agree that it would be a very slim minority? I said, do you agree it'd be a very slim minority? A very small percentage of people. I want you to understand that you and I have access 
to the throne room of God 24-7, seven days a week. It doesn't matter whether it's two in the morning or one in the afternoon. It doesn't matter if it's inconvenient. There is a time zone elder who is waiting 24 hours around the clock wherever I am in the world to catch the prayers of Rob Scarallo and to personally bring them before the mercy seat of God. Hallelujah. Now I said Rob Scarallo, but I hope in your mind you're putting your name in there. Because I'm not preaching this message to tell you how great I am. No, I'm preaching this message to emphasize the privilege that God has given to all of his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. Are you with me, church? Are you with me, church? Well, I'm not done yet. I got more good stuff to bring out. And I say good because it's the word of God. Hallelujah. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense. You know, intercession is always connected to worship. They had a harp. They were singing. How do I know they were singing? Because the next couple of verses say they were singing. Intercession is uniquely and inextricably tied to worship. So watch this. And they sang. Uh, they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Are you God's people? And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll, they're talking to Jesus, and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchase for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Now let's look at verse 10. You have made them to be. Stop. He's talking about the people on earth. You have made them to be. That very phrase identifies purpose. It's about to reveal your divine purpose on earth. You have made them to be. This is why you're here. This is your God-given breath of life. This is your eternal destiny. This is what will cause you to rise up even while the world is going down. You have made them to be purpose, a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. I'm measuring that on my clapometer. I'm going to break this down for you in a moment. You're going to be clapping three times harder than you just clapped because I'm going to get into your space and show you the reality of what this is saying. You see, too often we memorize scriptures, we read scriptures, but we don't live in the reality of scripture. My job as a preacher to take you into the reality of scripture so that you're not just reading what's in the book, you're living what's in the book, hallelujah. You're experiencing what's in the book, praise God. Yes, I agree, thank you, amen, praise God. So here we go. Let me say this here. The context of this scripture is not eternity. The context of this scripture is not eternity. If you're familiar with the book of Revelations, it starts from Revelations 1, 
And all the way up to Revelation 20, all the way up to Revelation 19, 19 chapters are talking about life on earth. The 20th chapter starts to talk about the millennium, and the 21st chapter talks about eternity, when there's a new heaven and a new earth. John, in the vision that he was having in heaven, didn't get to chapter 21 yet. When he's saying this, he is talking about the now. He's talking about the present. God's kids on earth praying and interceding and God's 24 elders around his throne and his seat of mercy scooping up the prayers of the saints. Let me tell you, the last thing the devil wants you to do, he'll tolerate some praise, he'll tolerate a little bit of worship, but what he cannot tolerate is prayer because prayer is the expression of your dominion over the powers of darkness. Prayer is the expression of your right to rule over the circumstances of life. Prayer is your direct connection with the Godhead who gave you authority so that you can change life and life circumstances through the power of his Holy Spirit who lives in you. So the context of this scripture is not somewhere off in the future in eternity. The context of this scripture is right now. Jesus hasn't opened up the seals yet. That will happen this side of eternity. But this context is about now. I want you to, guys, my media team, if you could put up this next phrase. When it comes to Bible interpretation, there you go. I want you to look at this here. Grab your phone and take pictures of some of these statements up here on the board. Because if you're like me, uh, I can't keep up. I can't write fast enough. And so I take pictures. I was at a conference for the first four days of my vacation. I went to a church conference and I kept snapping pictures of the screen. Because I don't write as fast as some people preach. But look at what it says. When it comes to Bible interpretation, the devil's number one trick is to take a present day promise of God and throw its context into the future because he doesn't want you to step into your purpose and fulfill your destiny today. Uh, do I need to say it again? When it comes to Bible interpretation, here, let me give you a quick example. Jesus comes two, three days too late. His friend, his buddy, his amigo, Lazarus is dead, and he's in the grave. He's in the grave three days now. They said he stinks. And Jesus is talking to Mary and Martha, and he says, your brother will rise again. They were fully aware as Jewish believers of the concept or the theological reality of the resurrection. You see, in Israel, there were Pharisees and Sadducees, two religious bodies. Sadducees did not believe in life after death. The Sadducees didn't believe in spirit. They didn't believe in demons. They didn't believe in anything other than the God of Abraham. But there were no demons, there were no spirits, so to speak, and they didn't believe in the resurrection. But the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. 
This isn't a New Testament record or a New Testament theology or a New Testament gizmo. No, the resurrection of our physical bodies is taught from the Old Testament all the way through to the New Testament. And so Jesus says to Mary and Martha, your brother will rise again. And they said to him, yeah, we know. You see, we know at one level, but there's always another level in God to know at. Because they didn't know the level that Jesus was talking about. They said, we know he will rise in the resurrection on that day. And Jesus turned around and said, you don't get it. I am, I am the resurrection and the life. I want to tell you something. If Jesus is in your heart, if you are born again, if you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, forget the ever-ready bunny. The resurrection life of Jesus Christ is in you 24-7. Praise God. I am, he said. I am, he said. I am, he said. The resurrection and the life. The only way you can't get excited is if you put a lid on Jesus Christ. And I ain't putting a lid on Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Did you see me hit him? You heard it? You worried I'm going to hit you? Because I won't hit you. I'll just shake you up. I can't be put down. Because there's too much power in me raising me up. Praise God. I can't be put down because there is too much power in me raising me up. Oh, you might set me on my can for a day. <laughs> you might get me singing country music for an hour. <laughs> Woe is me. <laughs> but in the end, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. You see, what happens is the devil takes present day promises and he tries to, in our theology, throw them off into the future. And here's Mary and Martha saying, yeah, we know sometime in the distant future our brother will rise from the dead. Jesus said, no. You only understand scripture on a religious level. I want you to understand scripture in the reality in which it was written by the Holy Spirit of God. He said, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he turns to the tomb and he calls out a dead man who had been dead for over three days. Do you understand that's the kind of power that lives in you? Can we rewind and start the sermon from the beginning? I said, do you understand that's the kind of resurrection power that lives in you? Amen. Amen. Yeah. And so the devil will constantly try to take present-day promises of God and in your mind and in your understanding, throw them off into the future so that you don't step into your purpose and your destiny for today. And we need to take the Word of God way more literal, and we need to not just read Scripture or just hear sermons. We need to let the reality of it affect our thinking and affect our emotions. 
Absolutely. Because it's not just believing it in your understanding. It's believing it in your emotions. When your mind and your emotions come into agreement with the word of God, it is a powerful thing. So it says here, uh, I'm going to break this down real quickly. The word kingdom. Look at this. The word kingdom in the Greek is 932. Basilie, a kingdom, a reign. Basilie, he made you a kingdom. It comes from the Greek word from 935, basileus, which means a king. Properly speaking, royalty. Abstractly speaking, he has caused you to rule. Concretely, he has created you to be a realm, literally and figuratively, of his kingdom, a realm where you reign. Wow. What's my purpose? I'm meant to be a king. Listen, we always talk about the fact that Jesus is king of kings because he defeated every prince of darkness, but there's also another side to that definition. He is king of kings because he's the firstborn of many brethren. And he's the king of kings and you're a king and I'm a king and we are kings and the sons of God are kings. And if the church of Jesus Christ understood that we were really kings, we would be acting and thinking very differently than what we do. We have access to the throne room of God and it is God's purpose to have a kingdom of kings who are kings and priests. That's what it says. Revelations chapter 5 verse 10. Pull it up for me. Give me verse 10 again. I got so much sweat in my eyes, I can't see my notes. <laughs> you have made them to be, purpose, a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. So we are royalty. Turn to somebody. Say, hello, your majesty. Hello, prince. Hello, princess. You see, one of my greatest heartaches is that we, we know the word of God, but we don't know the revelation of the word of God. Because if we lived in the revelation of what I'm preaching right now, every one of us would act differently, we would think differently, and we would be differently. Jesus Christ came to set up the kingdom of God. And every time a person gets born again, another king is put in the kingdom. Another prince is put in the kingdom. He delegated his authority. He said, I'm going back to heaven. I'm going to be rooting for you. I'm going to be cheering for you. I'm going to be praying for you. But I give you authority to take over the earth. I give you authority over the wind and the waves. I give you authority over demons. I give you authority over sickness. I give you authority over circumstances. He set up a kingdom on earth. Why is a kingdom on earth... When Jesus is back in heaven and God is in heaven. So we got this empty realm that's called the kingdom. Where's that space? Where's that zone? Let me find it. 
Let's all move to that space. Everybody wants to move out of their state or some states. Some people want to move out of the United States. I love it right where I am. And I think Florida's the best state of all the states. Praise God. But the kingdom of God is not an empty space. Jesus said, people are going to say, where's the kingdom? He says it doesn't come with visual observance. He says the kingdom of God is invisible. It's inside of you. You see, I live within a realm that is the authority and the jurisdiction of God. And I am one of many kings in that kingdom. And Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Can I get an agreement? My purpose on earth is to act like a king in a world that's going to hell. My purpose on earth is to represent the king of kings and to undo the works of demons because they don't have the final say. We have the ultimate authority in Jesus' name. Are you still with me, church? Come on, stand and give the Lord a shout of praise. Let this get into your soul. Let it get into your understanding. I haven't gotten to the best bit yet. You can see it, sit. And they will reign. Let's look at the word reign. I need you guys, thank you. The word reign is three, uh, nine, three, six, basiluu. It means to be a king, to rule, literally and figuratively. It comes from the Greek 935, Basilius, a king, a ruler. In some passages, it's actually translated as an emperor. I want you to understand something. Cornelius was a centurion in the Roman Empire. But in the kingdom of God, he trumps the Roman Empire, and he's an emperor. And I want to show you what your destiny is in Christ. Because your destiny has a purpose, and until you step into your purpose, you will never fulfill your destiny. And the Bible says that our purpose is to be a conglomeration, a realm, a force to be reckoned with of God's kids who are kings and they are priests. Kings have authority, priests have supernatural ability. Yeah, I thought so too, thank you. That's why I wrote it down. <laughs> you need to come to the next meeting. God bless you. Good on you, Janai. Everybody say, good on you, Janai. All right. Listen, we were called to a kingdom of kings, sons of God, and priests, priests of God, to rule on the earth. The word reign means to have jurisdiction. We love singing songs that say, you know, I rule and reign in life through Christ Jesus. But I, I think we got the, the melody down pat, but not the revelation down pat. Yeah, let me give you an example. The word reign. Um, <clears throat> In Romans chapter 5, verse 17, Paul is talking about the first Adam and the last Adam, the consequences of the first Adam and the, the, the blessing because of the last Adam, Jesus Christ. 
And he says regarding the first Adam, for if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man. I want to ask you a question. Is there anywhere that ultimately you won't see the influence of death? You could buy a brand new car. You can put a ceramic glaze on that paint, but sooner or later it will start to fade. You could get the hottest, fastest motor. <laughs> it could be a Tesla, a, a, an S model plaid that does zero to 60 in 1.99 seconds. Electric car. But sooner or later that thing is going to die. It's going to wear out. It's going to waste away. You can look at the most beautiful person in the world and sooner or later you'll start to see the effects of age. The law of entropy is all over the world. It never existed until Adam and Eve sinned. When they gave their authority to Lucifer, the number one principle of his kingdom is death. Jesus said the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. It's the number one law that rules over the earth, and it doesn't matter what you look at. These LED lights sooner or later will wear out. Everything will wear out. And because of the first Adam, the sin of the first Adam, death has influence over the whole earth. How much more? Will those who receive God's abundant uh, provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Reign in life. He's not talking about in eternity. He's talking about right now. He's talking about what the first Adam did and how it affected the earth. And he's talking about what the second, the last Adam did and how he intends to affect the earth and he affects the earth through you and me, the church of Jesus Christ. Can I get an agreement? <laughs> we reign. We have authority. When we pray, there are 24 elders that are paying attention and bringing our prayers before God. If you don't have that concept, if you don't have that vision of, the, uh, of your prayer life, then your prayers will most likely go out into dead space. Because if you don't have faith, if you don't apply faith to what the Word of God says, your words will be empty words. They're not full of spirit. But when you have faith in the Word of God, they are filled with the Spirit of God. And so when we pray with faith, our prayers go into the bowls of 24 elders and they come before the very presence of God. My purpose and your purpose is to be a kingdom on earth. We look at America and we see this competition between the United States of America and China and Russia. And here are these three mega powers, and we all watch the news, and we're wondering what's going to happen in the next 10 years. What's going to happen in the next five years? We see China encroaching on Taiwan, making threats to Japan. The Philippines' waters are being trans, uh, transgressed. We see the Indo-China uh, 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 boundary line uh, where the Himalayan mountains are and the, Indi uh, the people of India are uh, having skirmishes with the people, the soldiers from the Chinese army. We see Putin raising up an army and pushing his might and his power in the Baltic seas. Thank you. We, we, we see these 
principalities of darkness rising up. Let me tell you something. Whether you can conceive this or not, it doesn't change the reality. You have more power and authority than the kings of nations. You have more kingdom power. You have more ability to influence the earth than an elected president. You see, I know that the church doesn't really believe this. We sing it, we read it, we say it, we preach it, but we don't live in the revelation of it. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> Can I have, uh, when we become, the next phrase, when we become more involved in politics than we are in prayer, we don't understand who we are in Christ and what our purpose is on earth. I'm going to say it again. When we become more involved, I didn't say don't be involved in politics. I have very strong political opinions. But I have something more powerful than my opinion. And that is the delegated authority that Jesus Christ has given me. And when we become more involved in politics than we are in prayer, we don't understand who we are in Christ and what our purpose is on earth. Yeah, give me the next screen. When the issue, when the issue of the next president of the USA is more important than your prayer life, let's go to the next part. You have abdicated your royal position and your divine crown, and you've thrown it at the feet of carnal and sinful man. I'm not going to stop. And if I offend you, get over it. Rebuke that spirit of offense. Because it doesn't matter who becomes the president. Do you realize that in the last nine elections... In the last nine elections, there isn't a president that was or is that won by more than 7.7% of the popular vote. So we're constantly a nation divided. When you're president, you're only president by a slim majority. But I want to tell you that God put something on earth and it has hidden its light under a bushel. It has lost its voice. It doesn't understand who it is because if it understood who it was, then it would rise up and the world would hear the voice of what has been hidden. And that is the church of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, I and you have been elected. God's election. We have been elected to the highest position on earth. We are sons of God. Hallelujah. We are kings over the earth. Hallelujah. I might live in Oldsmar. But I am seated in the third heaven with Jesus Christ. And the first heaven of demon activity that surrounds the world is two heavens beneath me. 
two heavens beneath you. Oh, we're going to be afraid of principalities. No. You know why I'm not going to be afraid of principalities? Because I'm a prince. And because Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The church doesn't know who she is. We've lost our faith. We've lost our vision. We've lost our purpose. What's your purpose? Your purpose is to be a kingdom of God on earth filled with men and women who understand we are not mere mortal beings. We are sons of God. We are royalty. We are kings. We are priests. And when we pray out of hundreds and thousands of angels, maybe millions, 24 stand post night and day to hear what I have to say and to bring it directly before the Father. That'll challenge your spirit of inferiority. That'll rattle the spirit of heaviness. That'll give you a whole new reflection that you are not rejected, but you are elected by the Holy Spirit of God. Who are you? Well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, I was a sinner. I am saved by grace. Now I'm a king. Now I'm a son of God. Now I'm a prince. And while I have strong political opinions, guess what? Nine of the last elections have been won by no more than 7.7% of the popular vote. But nobody can unelect me because God has elected me and God has elected you. And not by a slim majority. God the Father said yes. God the Son said yes, and God the Holy Spirit said yes. I have won, and you have won this position through Jesus Christ unanimously. A praying Christian is a staying Christian. A praying Christian is an overcoming Christian. A praying Christian is a Christian who understands they have direct access to the very face of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You see, one president could get elected by a slim majority on the popular vote, and he can help influence all of these decrees and legislation. And another president, four years later, could get voted in by another slim majority, and he can change it all. But when you and I command the wind to stop, demons have no say-so. When I command demons to come out of a person, they say, oh, I'm not coming out, but in the end, they always come out. When I speak to bodies that are harassed with a spirit of death and medical science, yes, science. We believe in science. I believe in the God who created science. You know what science is? It's the love of knowledge. 
And isn't it interesting that science in the Greek means the love of knowledge, but the one love of knowledge scientists don't have is the love of the knowledge to get wisdom from the Word of God. So you want to talk about science? I am more scientific than all of them put together because I've gone to the book of books. I've gone to the origin of knowledge and it is the knowledge of good. Amen. Can I get agreement? Come on, is there agreement in the house today? told you I can't stay down because there's too much resurrection power living in me you can't stay down when you understand there is resurrection life living inside of you we as a as the American church we get so political listen to me we get so political at best the church is going to be divided 50 50 there'll be a 7.7 majority on one side. And a church divided is a church that has no voice. But when I understand that my purpose in life is to govern over human elected officials, then it's not about politics anymore. It's about Holy Ghost revival. Do you know why the Bible says pray for your elected officials? How many of you know the Bible says to pray for your elected officials? Do you know why? Because you have more power than they do. They get voted in by a slim majority and at best will last eight years. I'm going to last forever. Hallelujah. I'm not going to take my crown and my royal purpose and my God-given authority and abdicate my life of prayer because who gets in the White House is more important. I want to tell you, church, and the church in the United States of America needs to get this revelation or it's going to derail itself. It's not the enemy that's going to derail us. We will derail ourselves. I, I believe that you should vote. I believe you should have a strong spiritual moral opinion and you should vote, voice it. But I believe more than that, you and I should be called to the house of prayer and we should voice our concerns and voice our decrees where they will be heard 24 hours 7. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Am I preaching to anybody in this room? Am I getting anybody excited? Come on, stand with me. This whole message will mean nothing to you in the next three days if you don't hear what I'm about to say. This is not about preaching a rousing sermon. This is not about, okay, let's cross off another Sunday. We got preached at. No. This is about a spiritual father wanting to see Sons and daughters, rise up into the fullness of who we really are. It's not just about praying the spirit of death off of someone. 
It's not just about praying and getting a miracle over COVID or cancer or whatever else it is. Do you understand that God wants to govern the earth through his kingdom on earth? He taught us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. People around the world elect officials. Sometimes there are crooked elections around the world. Sometimes they're totally one-sided around the world. I'm not making a statement about what's happened here in America. I am not going to get caught up in the trap of something that is less deserving of my attention and your attention. What will change America and what will change the world is when the church of Jesus Christ has a change of understanding and understands that life on earth isn't about God just blessing me until I finally escape and I get to heaven. No, God wants to revolutionize the earth. Why is it the sons of men, whether they're right or wrong, sons of men all over the earth want a revolution? They want to revolutionize something. They want to change ideals. They want to fight for something. And then the church is living with a purpose for itself, waiting for our great escape. When God's intention is to conquer the earth through his sons and daughters who have access to the throne, and irrespective of who's in the White House, who's the president of Germany, East or West, who's in North Korea as a dictator or South Korea, Korea as an elected president, you and I have an authority above their authority, and that authority is exercised when we pray and we intercede. Come on, church. This isn't just about who can I get healed next. Do you understand he wants us to reign on earth we have jurisdiction power every official that is ever elected anywhere is only elected by men I've been elected you've been elected by God we have been given the key to his presence we have been given the ear of any one of 24 elders, and they catch up our prayers. What happens when the church starts to pray? You see, something supernatural happened about a week and a half ago. I'm gonna preach more about this next week. But I was here in the early morning prayer meeting. I'm sitting here on the dais, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes on me and I start weeping. Not, oh, a tear. Sobbing. And I'm... I'm feeling the weight and the burden of God for the nations. And I start praying for the nations. And I'm weeping. I feel... An anguish in my heart I'm carrying God's burden and I start praying thoughts are coming to my mind and out my mouth that were not premeditated God I pray for revival around the world I pray for revival around the world 
We are on the verge of a potential World War III. If you know anything about World War II, the same spirits in the same general regions that stirred up World War II are stirring up right now. And I'll go into that more in another sermon. The enemy doesn't know when the end is, but he's always trying. And we are on the edge of a World War III. We are on the edge of an internal collapse. But the greatest power of the United States of America is not in how many F-22s we have, how many battleships we have, how many nuclear submarines we have. I don't care how many missiles China has. I don't care what Russia has just come out with their new uh, fighter jet and they just unveiled it the other day. It doesn't matter. I hold in my hand the power that can influence kings, queens, presidents. Do you understand that the dictate of this world is not in the devil's hands? It's in the church's hands. And the only reason why the devil has been winning is because the church has abdicated. We've taken our crowns and we've thrown them at the feet of carnal, sinful men. And we hope they're going to change the world for us. They don't have a clue. And they can legislate. But we've learned from the Old Testament that laws don't change the heart of a man. And so we have a nation divided 50-50 and everyone's getting angrier and angrier. But it doesn't matter whose legislation is in force. It's not going to change the heart and the soul of the other side. The only thing that can is a Holy Ghost revival. And so I started praying, God, I cry out for the nations. About five minutes later, Pastor Jan is sitting here, and she starts reading Psalm 2. Psalm 2 says, cry out to me for the nations, and I will make them your inheritance. When she finished reading it, I said, uh, what do you got, Pastor Jan? She says, I don't know, I just have this burden for the nations. I feel like God's telling me to pray for the nations. I said, well, hang on. You heard me pray. God, I'm crying out for the nations. She goes, no. When did you pray that? I said, isn't that why you read Psalm 2? She said, no. I'm here talking to God, and God's given me a burden for the nations. You see, supernatural things happen around us all the time. I'm not trying to lift myself up. I'm trying to lift you up. I'm trying to lift you up. I want you to understand you're not born of flesh and blood. Yes, at one time you were born of flesh and blood. But when you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, you were born of something far better than flesh and blood. Flesh and blood has its limitations, but spirit has no limitation. The spirit of no limitation lives inside of you. Oh, I, you know I could preach for another two hours? If you believe it, say amen. Amen. <laughs> But that's not what's important. I'll tell you what's important. While I was out the front, before Pastor Jan confirmed or, you know, she's, she thought she was 
telling me something and I thought she was repeating what she heard me say and the Spirit of God was talking to her and the Spirit of God was talking to me. And God said, I want you to call the church to prayer for the nations. And I was all excited about it. And then I went away on holidays and I thought, who will come? Nobody will come. People don't like to pray. They won't come. And last night I was debating, do I preach this message or not? And God said, there's only one question you have to answer. Rob, will you obey me or will you not obey me? And so I decided I'm going to obey God. So I called up Pastor Stephen. I, I called Pastor Jan. We chatted a bit. I said, look, this is what I'm feeling in the Holy Ghost. She said, well, I have a confirmation. I said, well, when would I call the prayer meeting? She said, well, why not on a Friday night? And then all of a sudden we're saying, well, why not have a partial night of worship and a partial night of intercession? Because the angels, the 24 elders, had a harp under their arm, and they were singing a new song, and they had the bowl of intercession. So I called Pastor Stephen. I said, Pastor Steve, what do you think? I told him the whole story. I said, not this Friday night, the following. How about we have a night of worship, but its intention is to be a night of intercession. Are you going to leave earth and not have any memorials in heaven? One of the definitions of a memorial is a petition brought before the legislating body or the sovereign reminding them of the facts. God is waiting for his church to know who she is and to come before his throne without petitions. I believe with all my heart that if the church doesn't pray, we're going to see major outbreaks of war. Do you know in World War II, over 85 million people lost their life as a direct or indirect result of the war? 85 million. Wouldn't it be great to have a revival around the world so that 185 million get saved? You might say to me, well, Pastor Rob, how are we going to measure the effectiveness if we come out and pray, will it really do anything? Yes. How will I measure it? By the word of God. I, I, I can't tell you in earthly terms what will happen or what will not happen. But I know something will happen or one of those 24 elders is going to get their butt kicked. Because God put them on assignment to catch the prayers of the saints. And please, I'm not going to kick. And I say that humorously. But their charge, and they will be obedient to their charge, is to hear the intercession of the saints and to bring it before God. So how do I know what will happen? I don't know what will happen, but I know something will happen. Because I believe I am who he says I am. Jesus didn't die to put his blood on a wet cloth and take this little rag to heaven one day where it'll be bright and shiny and white. No. He died 
and shed his blood to put it on this hot mess so that I could be a hot fire for the kingdom of God and fix up this hot mess. Amen. And so I am telling you that I believe with all my heart this is a prophetic word from the Lord. I don't know who's going to show up, but I hope you all show up. We get 160 people on a Sunday. I hope we have 160 people two Fridays from now. What will it do? <laughs> It'll rattle the bejeebas out of demons. It'll bind the forces of darkness. And it will release the blessing of God. Scott, what do you do for a living? Construction. Building? Maintenance? That's what you do for a living. What do you do for a life? Repeat after me. I am a king and I am a priest. And my purpose, which leads to my destiny, is to be a priest of God and a king of God in life on earth, overseeing the affairs of nations. Do you remember what Pastor Steve preached last week? God said to Abraham, I will make you the father of nations. Abraham, Abraham is the father of all the Arab nations through Ishmael. And he's the father of Israel through Isaac. He's the father of kings. Arab nations and the nation of Israel. But Jesus Christ has come as the fulfillment of that promise so that Abraham would have sons who are kings over all the nations of the world. You see, during the week I disguised myself as a pastor of Grace and Faith Church. But my true identity is one who has jurisdiction and influence over the kings of the earth. That's my true identity. This is what you see me as. But who I am is one who has weight in the courts of heaven. And in heaven, I'm not skinny. Everything I'm saying about me, I'm saying about you. See, I, I don't want you to go, ooh, Pastor Rob. I want you to give me honor, and I want you to give me respect. But I want you to go, ooh, look what God has done for us. This is who you are in Christ. Amen. I'm going to continue this message next week. Did I do good today? Did I do all right today? Have I got you stirred up? Have I got you stirred up? Listen, I thank God I have the right to vote. But I got something more powerful than that. You're beautiful. Okay? God wants you to know you're beautiful. He doesn't see what you see. He sees what he sees.
I'm prophesying to you right now, and I'm telling you what the heart of the Father is. And God is telling you, you're beautiful. You see, the devil gets us to look at our mistakes and our mess-ups. But God looks at his intention and his purpose for our lives, and God has purpose for you. The lies that you have recently been told that have gotten into your soul and they're soul-destroying, they are exactly that, lies. But the word of the Lord is, rise up, my daughter, for I have called you to be a princess. I have not called you to be a memory of things that went wrong, but I have called you to be a memory before me of who you are in Christ. For I have ordained you, and I have blessed you, and I have called you. You are precious in my sight, says the Lord. Amen. Does that speak to you? Yeah? Oh, well, you can hug the Holy Spirit. It came from him. <laughs> Amen. I want to test, I want to test the, the, the prophetic. So have there been words recently that have been soul-destroying? Yeah? Okay. And, and has, does this word speak into your heart? Yeah? That's from God, not from me. Amen. Praise God. Church, can we stop just being a church and be the church? I want you to roll out two Friday nights from now because God told me. I don't say that lightly. God told me. This is a prophetic word from the Lord. In the natural, I fear for humanity in the natural. But in the spirit, we have great power and authority to change circumstances. I'm calling you to a higher purpose, God's purpose. We're not looking for the great escape. We're looking for the great conquering of the world through the prayers of the saints. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word today. And anything that I didn't preach eloquently enough or with enough passion or enough revelation or enough anointing, Holy Spirit, make up for me. Speak into the hearts of every man and woman. I'm obeying what you told me to do. I thank you, God. Let every person leave this place with the understanding of who they are in Christ and what they can do because of Christ. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Hey, we got a picnic outside. We got water slides. I need to get in that water slide and wash off this sweat. For your sake, I won't. How's that? All right? Come on, we got some hot dogs, I think, for sale. And the Kona ice truck is out there. Oh, gosh. Quick, let's get out there. Let's enjoy. Have fun. God bless you. I will see you next Sunday. And two Friday nights from now, we, got a, we have an appointment. What time? Uh, normally we do that at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock Friday night. Night of worship. Thank you, Rick. God bless you guys.